0: This is Rick Stoner. In this podcast, I interviewed Deborah Drakes, the 1990 Playboy centerfold. We discuss her career as a Playboy bunny and the different things in life that she experienced on her way up to her first photo shoot with Playboy. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and remember to press like, subscribe or share. This is a Crypto After Dark production. Um but real quick, I have one one quick question. <laughs> um because i was looking over a bunch of things here and i was trying to figure out what your destination in life is right now are you are you trying to achieve um like self-help um showing people how to succeed rewriting success um rewriting past historical um life experiences to try and see success in the future what is exactly the goal is um of of your persona right now of where you're going with the future
1: uh, where I'm going in the future is in a more creative direction. I write a weekly blog and in, with the hopes of helping anybody out there that is not able to afford help or seek help. And so I write a weekly blog. It's free for people to sign up to my newsletter and follow my journey. And yes, I'm on a self-help journey. I am coming out with a 90 day program to take people through exactly what I do and and how I achieve the level of success that I have in my life and the consistencies that I do. So that's where I'm at. I'm also back modeling and you know, auditioning for films again, and kind of back in that creative space that I left for so many years um, when I was in the business world.
0: When you've done a, a nude photo shoot, what was that like the first time ever? Because you were a fairly young lady when you did this. You weren't And I got a few questions around this. Now, was that something that you had a goal of when you were 15, 16, 17? I know that's a weird question, but did you ever imagine yourself being in a nude photo shoot now? And also I've done tons of this. This is like um, for you, it's more like modeling a a bikini, like um, it's tasteful um, nudity, not where um, it can get very extreme in other sites. So while you were growing up, Did you have any idea that that might be your future? Like, how did you, or or we'll get there. Let's go with that question first.
1: First of all, no, is the answer to the question. No, I never in a million years imagined that I would end up... In Playboy magazine, on the cover of Playboy magazine, I didn't imagine I would have really anything to do with the company or, you know, I would ever walk inside the famous Playboy building on sunset. It was all a very, um, you know, it, it just happened organically and it was never really a thought for me. And what had happened was I was already modeling and doing commercials and living in LA. <laughs> and and I had okay. passed, you know, the the famous Playboy building thousands of times, never even passing it, never thought, oh, one day I'm gonna be in that building. And so my so you, agent called so me. So
0: you already had a career in modeling. I now.
1: already had a career and I was already working okay. and doing commercials and and modeling for different swimsuit companies and You know, I, I was, you know, my, my big goal was to be an actress. And so I was taking lots of different acting classes. And so when my agent called me and said, you know, Playboy is coming out with a book, it's called the lingerie book. So this was, you know, right when that book was coming out, they want to see you for the cover. And I said, oh, I said, well, is there any nudity involved? What what, what kind of cover? And she said, I don't think so. I, I, They didn't mention any nudity, but, you know, you can take your book and go and meet with them. So that was my first time going to the famous Playboy building on Sunset. And so I thought, well, you know, what the heck, I'll go, I, you know, I'll be on the cover of this lingerie book. It seemed harmless and, you know, and I was young. So I went to the audition and it was, it was a different kind of audition. They, they, you know, you sign in and then when they brought you back into the studio, you go, they put you in a bathroom and ask you to put a robe on and take everything off. And I said, oh no, I'm not here for that. I'm here for the lingerie book cover. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, well, everything we do has some type of nudity. So we need to see your body." And I said, "Well, I'm not comfortable with that, so I'll leave my undergarments on as if it were a bikini audition." And I came out with my—I I had some sort of tank bra on and panties. And the photographer was like, "We really need to see your body." And I said, "Yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. I—I I was under the impression that I was here for a cover for the lingerie book." And he's like, "Yeah, but we need to see your body because we do, you know, a lot of nudity." And so I left that audition thinking. That's not for me, and there I'm not for them. You know, I just I never in a million years thought oh, wow. I would get the next call. You walked call. out of
0: your first audition.
1: Well, I mean, I did the audition the way, like I said, mm. with with my undergarments on, and they did a Polaroid, and it mm-hmm. didn't go well. So I thought that's the end of that, and so I left. And never in a million years thought I'd get a call from the chief chief editor, which was Marilyn Krobowski. And she left a message on my answering machine, you know, back in, this is 1989. And I got home and I had a message from her that said, we want to shoot you to be a uh, centerfold. And I thought, she's got the wrong girl. You know, she's confusing me with somebody <laughs> right, they were, else. They that were was really there.
0: pressing right then. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're like, and I well, thought, we want you on the cover. Now we want you on the centerfold. And you're like, do these guys know that I walked out of the audition? <laughs>
1: yeah, like I literally I I I thought they're confusing me. So I called my agent and she said, "No, it's true. They want to shoot you to be a centerfold." And so I said, "Well, how is that going to affect my my career because you have to understand I was booking commercials that were wholesome. I was in the Sunday paper for like a Macy's ad or a Buffums ad or, you know, Sears, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like I was doing the wholesome family kind of stuff and 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 back then, I knew that if I did Playboy, that kind of stuff would come to an end. That's it was a different time. And so I had to really, really weigh, you know, what how this was going to affect me. And so the other thing was in 1989, Playboy was the number one magazine in the world. So, you know, you're weighing these things out. You know, it wasn't like I just jumped right in. I had to really think about how this was going to affect me. And I knew the story about Julie McCullough who had posed in the eighties for playboy and she got a part on family ties playing Kirk Cameron's girlfriend. And they fired her when they found out she was in playboy. So that's the world we lived in. And so I was concerned because I was auditioning for pilots and soap operas and things like that. And some shows didn't mind about the playboy thing and others did. And so I really had to weigh the pros and the cons of doing playboy and at the end of the day, it was decided that it was a really good move for me to do playboy, and we really went with it because, like I said, it was the number one magazine in the world and mm-hmm. and then I got to know Heff's story a little bit. I knew nothing about Hef or the Playboy story, and getting to know that story, I was even more intrigued with history of Playboy. And, you know, really the Playmate, the centerfold was really not the focus of that magazine. And, you know, it was kind of like the added, it was an added bonus, but really that magazine was a, was a gentleman's magazine. It was really, you know, the centerfold was the girl next door. It was the girl that you could date. It was the girl that men would fantasize about, but the, the magazine really was about the advertisements, the articles, the jokes, the just the 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 weekly the the interview the monthly interview, I mean the interviews that that magazine did were way ahead of their time, and so when I looked at all of that, it just it it became clear to me that this would be a good thing for me and i and even to this day i I have very fond memories and and have no regrets about that decision.
0: So, interestingly enough, if we could time travel and if the media could time travel right now, and if they knew that you were going to take a photograph on the front cover of Playboy magazine with the previous POTUS, Donald Trump, now what would be the view? Like, I mean, we already know it'd be the view. They would, people would be like, wow now you can't be in a commercial because you had a picture with it. so now we're all after the fact here and we're sitting at this point where nobody knew donald was going to be a president <laughs> and he was so what was that what was that like working with him did you did you get to work with him a little bit i mean you didn't obviously know this man's going to be a president in the future and he's going to make the world you know, come up and down roar. You didn't know these things. We couldn't have seen the future, but what was it like at the time to work with him? Well, Did you get to one, talk to him? Did you spend more than one day doing this photo shoot?
1: Number one, I am not on the cover with Donald. I'm on the cover of April, 1990. Brandy Brent is on the cover with Donald and she'll be more than happy for me to take credit for being okay, on this the This is
0: weird. So then Google tells us a whole bunch of wrong information. Well, then.
1: of course it does.
0: Okay. Okay. Of course so it does. And cool. it links let's me get, to. Let's clear. Let's it, have this super the way, clear then. It
1: links me That's, to websites that I've never even gone to or worked for. I mean, Google's, I want, you know, really. Nutty. I want to
0: tell you something weird, Deborah. I, I searched your name one day. And then and you came up and you're all there, very professional, everything. I search your name another day, and then you're on the cover of the magazine. And then I search your name another day, and this is weird. Now, either the sensor stuff didn't, it, it gave me every one of your photo shoot pictures when I pushed images. And then I was like, what, why did it just do that? I like, I got to see every one of your old um, artistic photos, we'll call them, and then I, for a moment, and then I close that, and then I reopen, I type your name in again, push it, and it was all gone. yeah, I'm like, where what is going on? like, okay, so then there's some weird disinformation, so were you on the front cover, or were you not?
1: I was not on the cover with Donald Trump. that is Brandy Brent, although she to this day would love me to take credit because she is not a fan of Donald Trump, so it's funny because she sold on eBay a magazine cover you know, the the cover of her with Donald and she wrote something on there, like you're not my president or whatever. And I bought it on eBay and she laughed. She said, I can't believe you're buying this. And I said, no, I'm, I voted for him. So I, I don't have a problem with it. So she's like, well, then you can take credit that that's you on the cover because everybody confuses us. I am on the cover of, of April, 1990. And uh, here's the deal. I've only spoke to Donald on the phone we spoke on the phone a few times. There was a, there was a moment where I may have gone to New York to go on a date with him, but I never did. I, it, there was something very intimidating by him and I was very young and he was very vanilla on the phone and I just, you know, he was very nice and kind, but that is the extent of my, my, uh, time if, if you even want to call it time with Donald, um, I, Was not surprised that he ran for president at all. It made my issue now a collector's item because I'm the centerfold in the issue that he's on the cover of. And I get more fan mail today than I did when the magazine came out because now it's a collector's item.
0: Interesting. Now I see how that story is now. And I, I went back and I see that you are on that one cover and that now that I recognize and I look at the picture of the ladies on the cover with Donald, that's not you. No. But the, but the, Google, the Google wanted to tell me that it was. Bad Google. I don't know why it does things like that. That's interesting. And this might be because all of the people who are... Well, let's call it LARPing, right? They're... Debra, you're in this magazine. We want to talk to you now because Donald was on the front of it. And you're like, well, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, you know, listen, it's history. And I get, like I said, I get more fan mail today. And, and, you know, my kid, my, my kids are older. They're adults now. And, you know, two Mm -hmm. years ago I started getting so many packages and they were like, what is all this? And I'm like, well, now that Donald's president, my issue is a collector's item and so i'm probably going to get you know quite a bit of stuff to sign I mean- and and you know and that's fine mm-hmm. i mean it's
0: it's this is re- this is actually really interesting because you you are probably one of the few playmates. I think I can call you a playmate, right? Of the past who are yes. a collector's item now. Yeah. You're a collector's item. That's I am. cool. was that there's certain and issues that, <laughs> that
1: there's certain issues of Playboy that are collector items. Number one, uh anytime there was a, a man on the cover, that's a collector's item mm-hmm. because Hef very this rarely is- had men on the cover of Playboy. So I think there was maybe six or seven issues out of all the issues where there was a man on the cover, Donald being one of them. I think Jerry Seinfeld was another, Um, you know, Steve Martin, I believe was another Uh, with Pam Anderson, you know, so there was only a, a handful of covers with men on them. So all of those issues already were collector items. And then when you add the president, on that that just becomes probably the number one collector item now
0: i see it's 57 dollars us on ebay who would have ever known that Mm -hmm. was gonna do that yeah and i see where the confusion is now though it's described as um donald trump cover deborah drake centerfold yes Mm -hmm. and it's like well are you on the now i get it now i get it this is this is all very interesting for me i have often the the internet misleads people when we go to do research and we find your misled information. And then we only get it clear when we have you on as a guest from our previous guests and all of them. So there's so much the info war thing that, um, that Alex Jones guy Alex Jones guy talks about. It's real. Yes. You don't know what is real and you what don't. is fake. until And so you.
1: I can tell you a story back in 2010, back in 2010, 11, I was getting a lot of calls from friends of mine that were saying, hey, did you do porn? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, when you Google your name, you show up on all these porn sites. So I go online and I had never Googled my name before. You know, Google is a very new thing for my generation. Okay, we don't we don't we're not used to Googling our names. And so I went on and Googled my name. And sure enough, my name and my Playboy photos were linked to thousands of porn sites. And I'm talking thousands. And, you know, and so what would I happen know is, so, no, hold on, so what would happen is you'd see a photo of me from Playboy and you'd click on it and then I'd be gone because it was a way to lure you in to this porn site Yes. because they can't use me once you're in the porn site. But my name and my photo are linked. So I call Playboy. And I said, I'm really confused as to why my photos that I, you know, because I shot thousands and thousands of photos. Well, what I didn't know is Hef sold libraries to all these websites. And I said, that's not okay because when I did Playboy, there was no Google. I never signed off on this. So I hired a lawyer and I I got, I would say, 80 percent of that taken down it is very rare now that you'll find my name associated with a porn and there might be one or two because they're and like i never I, understood I listened to your
0: previous podcast you, you were like an actress and you're doing tasteful stuff and that that's kind of one of these distasteful acts by the internet who saw they could jump on something well and, they, and they it's i don't about just the um
1: yeah the i do right? they didn't I don't just Terrible. blame the internet. I blame whoever at Playboy decided that they could make millions of dollars selling thousands of images on the internet who God knows what people paid for it back then. But all I know is that my contract was way before the internet. There was no internet when I did mm-hmm. Playboy. So I never signed off on that. So and you, So they
0: weren't. So, ah so what so I did, never you never signed a thing that said you can sell all my photos in the future well, to a whole I'm bunch sure, of places I'm you sure. were like only printing me on the centerfold
1: well listen it wasn't how could it be in my contract when it didn't exist so I exactly. so basically yep, here's yep. what Playboy did. They said, send us every link that you're attached to. This took me weeks, guys, weeks. I did not stop. I sent them every link and they would go and tell them, take this photo down, take this photo down. So Playboy went in and they did. They actually helped me. I said, I'm going to have to hire a lawyer because the internet was not around when I shot my centerfold. I understand that you own all the images that I did, but- Nowhere did I sign, oh, by the way, if this thing comes out like in the late 90s and it's like a, a thing where you can press a button and Google and, you know, that, was, that there wasn't even a thought of Google. Like we didn't know what that was in 1989. We didn't know that you know, we'd be sitting here in 2022. And if I want to FaceTime somebody in Africa, who knew that I could walk around the world with a device in my purse that I could connect to anybody in the world. We didn't know that that's where our world was headed. And so my argument was very valid. And they really did take the time to take down, I'm talking thousands of websites that I was associated with. And it was, it became embarrassing for me because at that time I was getting very successful in business. And you have to understand people Google you in when you're in business, they want to see who they're doing business with. And then you've got me. I thank God I used my married name. So I didn't get it too often. But when you Google my stage name, which is Driggs, you get, you got okay. linked to all these websites. And people would call me and they'd say, Did you do?
0: I'm glad you went to this yeah. question. <laughs> I was going to say Driggs can't be a real last. No, night. it is. Gotta it, be
1: it's got to be a it is. I was born oh. Deborah Driggs and my, it is a, it is a kind of Mormon Canadian name. Uh, you know, there's Driggs, Idaho.
0: You're Canadian. I have
1: some Canadian in me. I have mostly... I just did this whole ancestry DNA because I'm publishing a book this year called son of a Basque, And so I did a DNA to see how much Spanish I have in me. And I really only have 6%, but I have 34%. It's the highest on my DNA was Scottish Scotland, which I found very Hmm. interesting. Um, My mother is born in England, so it must be from her side of the family because her mother was born in England. So I had Scottish, English, Wales. Those were my top three in my DNA. So I guess I got most of my DNA from my mother's side. Maybe there's some Scottish on my dad's side too, you know. So that's, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. I was really thinking that it was going to come back high on the spanish side because my grandfather uh is spanish
0: with that with your hair that red
1: (laughs) well that's not my natural color (laughs) red is not my natural color i'm a brunette
0: with some tinges of red maybe yes (laughs) tinges there
1: you go i like that word tinges
0: tinges tinges um i'm like so i'm actually uh want to just go quickly back to your past. And, and when I listen to a few of your podcasts, um, my notes right away were, were something hard that I learned fast and quickly about yourself. Um, I almost want to read my notes on it, but I I don't need to. The first thing I wrote down was it, it felt like you'd been bullied in school and and that had led to some a success, actually, which was, which is interesting. Now, the one thing that I've been trying to work out and I worked that over and I couldn't figure out what it was, what, what did they, why did they bug you? Okay, so. Was it because you were a, 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 A good-looking individual? Was it because you were trying to achieve more? What was it that they were trying to do to you that made you feel out of place? Because you've you've probably mounted to a lot more than a lot of your um, peers in your class.
1: Well, you know, here's what happened. Um, I fell off a wall when I was in kindergarten, and I landed on my face, and I completely broke my nose and when I say bro, it was crushed, my face. When my By the time my mom got to the school to pick me up, she had to rush me to the hospital because my face had swelled up so bad, I was unrecognizable. And so I had a few surgeries. So what happens when you break your nose at a very young age, I did not know this, but it stops growing. So I had a little baby nose for years. And so I looked like I had a little pug nose. And so that was one of the things that I was teased about was the way I looked um and i was called pug nose or et or you know just anything that had to do with my nose it was like i'd be bullied all the time with the way i looked and so
0: Wow, the E.T. movie is like still in print, and makes movies. They were, no, they were by the way, E.T.'s cute. Him, right? E.T.'s cute. <laughs> that movie, I, I, you know I think they re-released it and it made a couple like a hundred million again. So like the kids the kids are so vile. It's so sad. Just real quick, real quick question that what age was that at? Like what, I know it's kindergarten, but where did the where did the, the bullying really we'll started it, for
1: me around I would say probably the real bullying around sixth, seventh and eighth grade, you know, and, all, and the other reason, there were a couple reasons. One, my nose was a little weird, you know, and I went through several surgeries, just so you know, the last surgery I had was in 2012 and they have a new thing now where they can shave your rib and make your you can make a nose out of your rib now where they used to take the cartilage from behind your ear. So anyway, it's a whole new procedure. And I had it done in 2012 was my last surgery, but I've had probably God, eight surgeries on my nose. That's how bad it was. So,
0: so it, so it crushed your bridge then it crushed my entire nose. Yes.
1: So not only that, but I was also a figure skater. So I would get up at 4am and I would skate before school. And then after school, my mother would pick me up and I would go straight to the, skating rink. I didn't get bullied at the skating
0: rink. And ballet, if I remember yeah. right, did you teach ballet also? Of course, yes. Yeah.
1: And so I didn't have really a social life, you know, during my school years because I was at the ice skating rink and the ice skating rink was kind of where I got my life skills. So I was, I think that's what saved my life. Really the bullying, would kind of go over me a little bit because i really learned how to manage stuff through ice skating through mentors through coaches those skills were so available and there was a lot of discipline at at the ice skating rink you know and there was a way we treated each other and n- you would not get away with bullying at the ice skating rink, so when it happened to me at school, I realized that, you know you know, I was a little bit ahead of myself because I knew that I was getting skills that these kids weren't getting, and so I kind of you know, you put up with it, you ignore it, I'd walk away from it, and you know, kids are cruel, kids can be very cruel, and um and you know, girls are very jealous. And, you know, in eighth grade, I started really developing into myself and I started feeling good about myself and the way I looked and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, and I was always very thin and slender and, you know, athletic and in shape. And so I think there was a lot of, a lot of jealousy toward me and I didn't understand it at the time. I understand it now, obviously, but I didn't understand it at the time. I just thought, what, why are people so mean? You know, and and I'm a pretty sensitive human being, and and you know, and then I really had nobody to talk to about it because I was so busy focused with my ice skating, and my mom was extremely tired. She was getting up at four a.m., taking me to skating, and then picking me up after school. She'd take her lunch break so she could drive me back from Torrance back to Paramount. You know, it was like I was. So she was tired and burned out, so I wasn't going to bring, oh, guess what happened to me today, you know, to, to somebody who's so tired and she was already, you know uh doing going s- above
0: and beyond yeah, like yeah, where we are here I hear similar stories of parents and hockey and waking up at 4 a.m driving for two hours and getting and, and and it's and it's a huge and it's not it's not a burden it's like the parentals um, maternal instinct to have that that affection towards our um, offspring to try and help them succeed you know your your mum could have been secretly pouring out that she knew that you were getting bullied in school yeah. and she didn't know what to do. Yeah. And that was and he, the way we, that nobody she knew coping. what to do
1: and nothing was done back then. You know, when, nothing, you know, right. I have to say there's good and bad to the story. And, you know, I always try to look at the good now. And it made
0: you a really strong person. It, did. Deborah. it like, that's, really that's did. Important. I have
1: to say, there is something about the way I grew up that really forced me to succeed in certain areas. And and I feel today that kids are so coddled and safe spaces and trophies for showing up. And it's a different world. And the world that I grew up in, you had to earn things, you know, and nothing was ever handed to me. Like, I didn't show up at the ice skating rink and get a ribbon because I showed up. I mean, I got yelled at if I wasn't on the ice on time, you know, it was a very different world. And. I'm kind of grateful for that world because my feelings were not the, of the utmost importance to anybody really, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all about me. And, you know, I, I feel like we live in a world now where everybody, man, if you say the wrong thing or look at somebody the wrong way, or you accidentally make a joke about something and it's like, you're just stepping on everybody's toes and it's, I,
0: we've lost our sense of humor.s I don't know what happened, but didn't comedy died about five years ago? I did. a really I don't think did. Research paper on it. It yeah,
1: really did. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, I remember great uh, comics like Eddie Murphy. I mean, the stuff Mm -hmm. that he used to Richard Pryor. I mean, these guys were brilliant, because they would take real life shit and make it funny. And that's what comedy is when we can make fun of ourselves and, and know that, you know, this is the outlet like Chris Rock. I mean, he says stuff that's outrageous. I love it, you know, and and now we're just we get beat up for these things.
0: Let's go for a quick real world topic real fast since we're in this. Um, so Camilla Harris um, was on Saturday Night Live and not like her the actor person, the actor position. And then she, they did um, a cross-examination about her being on there with her. And I thought that was the most distasteful thing. I'm like, wow, I'm like, America's getting ready for legislation or how have they right to stop um, comedy about your politicians. Like this is what, that's where that goes. And she's like, Oh no, I'm okay with it. And I'm like, yeah, no, she's not.
1: No, let me explain. Ukraine is next to Russia. Russia is a big country. Ukraine is a smaller country. And did you hear the speech that she gave?
0: No, (laughs) I'm I'm kind of making fun of it. I'm like, I'm interested. You got my eyes wide. Like
1: (laughs) this was her description On a radio show she recently did, you can Google it, where she literally said, well, let me explain it to you. Russia is a big country and Ukraine is a small country. And I'm listening to this thinking... Oh my God, that's the vice president right there. So yeah, yeah. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I don't actually watch a lot of TV. You know, these days I kind of keep the TV turned off. I'm really there's just so many shows that I don't even understand how they're still on the air. I don't. I don't get the the what I'm the, seeing the, though
0: now is like people examining the spot like what we were just talking about just circle back real quick we're, we're seeing people examine um, the satire and the comedy being done about them and I don't know if that's that's the way comedy was invented and made you know like yeah I don't this, know I this, just... could, this could end in more censorship less comedy less laughs you know, and I don't, I, um, I've, I grew up with just for laughs. I'm, I imagine that you know what just for laughs is also, you probably saw it once or twice.
1: I'm sure I did. I, you know, like yeah. I said, I'm not, I, I'm, i watch a when, lot
0: of, a lot well, of. Over your career. Did you ever, um, like when you were in doing, uh, photo shoots and you've done a couple of small movies, um, did you ever go to a big comedy show or anything like that?
1: I did not I have not been. I've not been to a a live comedy show. Um, You know, I've watched quite a few of them on on cable, um, Mm -hmm. but not in person.
0: I've never been to the comedy
1: store, which is funny, you know, that I've lived here my whole life and I've never been to the comedy store.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, we're all guided in different ways. No, yeah. no. real quick. I want to go back. You did a couple movies early on and I actually went and I reviewed a little bit of one of your movies. Okay. Um, and it was the one you did, Class Cruise. That's-
1: oh my God. That was a, a TV, uh, made for TV movie.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, well, really? Okay, mm-hmm. That's why it was odd. Like it was... <laughs> I like. I skimmed through it and I watched. I wanted. I was trying to focus on finding your parts in there. I was looking at calib acting caliber um, to see if I could feel what the set director. I feel was like doing. It, it
1: was Dom DeLuise, if I remember correctly. Dom DeLuise's son, Michael DeLuise, I think was the star. And okay, so here's what happened. So I got I got cast to do this class cruise. They wanted you know, you, you, you college age kids. So I was maybe 22 or 23 when I shot that. And so that you had to go on the cruise. We cruised all around San Pedro and it was, we were in uniforms. And so I didn't have any speaking I didn't have any speaking lines I- in the show. And back then I was really trying to get my sad card and I was really gutsy, let's just say. So I kept going up to the director saying, you know, when I'm sitting in this scene, it'd be really cute if I could just laugh and say, oh, that's so funny. Or like I'd give myself lines and the director was like, no, that's not gonna work. And I'm like, you know, I really wanna get my sad card. This would really help me if I- you just gave me a line. I mean, I really worked that I believe Larry Thompson was the producer. It's funny that I can remember this after all these years, but um, and I just remember that's how I was like, I would get on those shows, even Rags to Riches. I played a beauty contestant, um,
0: really, I never, yeah, and
1: by. and I and I, I same thing, I tried to talk them mm-hmm. into giving me a line. I had all these parts, I was on a show called Baby Boom, I played. Uh, Daniel Bardol, who's no longer with us, he he passed away a few years back, but yeah, I played his girlfriend on the show and I said, come on, you got to let me, I got to at least say something to my boyfriend, you know, but no, I was like an arm piece. Like he walked me into a party and I'm like, can't I just say, oh, this is so lovely or something, you know, like I'd always be asking for lines. So a lot of the stuff I did early on, Falcon Crest and Rags to Riches and all these TV shows, they were all walk on parts which was a bigger deal back then because the walk-on parts were like, you were more, vis- you weren't just background. You were like in the scene. Hmm. And so I was, you know, always ready. I would beg for a line to get my SAG card. So did and you,
0: did you ever get a line in class cruise?
1: Not in no. class cruise. No.
0: Oh, they didn't give you a line. In
1: no, okay. they didn't. They were naughty and they didn't see that that would have been a good thing for me.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I just like the movie acting role and doing these. So are you, you know, just before we go into this last line of question, are you thinking about ever going back into acting? Like you have this perception about you that you could very well do a, a, a film. Like there's no doubt about that at all. It's well, I just worked on a film last decision- year in mm-hmm.
1: 2021. I worked on a film called Neon Bleed and Literally this week It's in the Idlewild Film Festival Which is in okay. Palm Desert um, We were not allowed to go Because of the restrictions Still in mm-hmm. California So we're going to uh, Hopefully link to it via Zoom But our whole cast got nominated For Best Cast And uh, nice. the movie got, got a lot of nominations So that's going to come out soon That's called Neon Bleed And I play It's about a rock star who gets into a lot of stuff. And I play his mother and um, I play the part of Vivian. So that will come out uh, sometime this year. And that was really a very good experience for me because I hadn't been on a set in quite a while for a film. And it just, it, it was like riding a bike, you know, it came back. I was like, oh my God. Like, even though it wasn't a, it's not a big part that I had, you know, you have to emotionally prepare. You have to be when you show up to the set. You got to be ready to go, and and it just reminded me of you know how much I love that creative outlet. I really so do. You,
0: and, so you are are definitely looking at being in some actor role positions even in the future as well. Like we absolutely, I
1: think I'm at a great age. You know, I'm I'm at a I great age where you know to to it's work. An,
0: it's an enlightenment age right? Yeah. You know, right from wrong. Now you kind of know what your boundaries are. And, and I, I mean, I think it would be really neat seeing you get in some, um, more roles inside of what is going on in acting right now. Cause there's the, the, the film production industry is growing rapidly. Like Netflix is all over making huge films. Even Amazon's about to step in really heavy as well. It looks like this is not going to really stop. So the future of you in acting could actually be quite prevalent here um, with what's going on right now, especially if you're pursuing that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm real, you know, I, I have the same commercial agent that I've had since I was 24. I have, you know, a wow. modeling agency. So I, every once in a while I do a modeling gig or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a different business today than it was for me 30 plus years ago because, you know, it's just a different world that we live in. And so it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And.
0: I'm not sure so, if you've you heard know. this before. You have a very cool name. Your name is, is, Elegant. It sounds nice together. Deborah Drakes, have you been interested in making yourself a clothing line, a perfume line, um, more future books? Well, you've already told us about one, and I've I really wondered. And I was when I looked at your story, I'm like, well, Deborah's r- writing books, but what about a clothing line or something to give more surface, so more people realize what you're trying to do in your story?
1: Yeah, I think you know. There's um a lot of things in the works. You know, I have a, a, a website that's under construction right now. We're redoing my website. I write a weekly blog. Um, really what I'm about today is so different than what I was about even five years ago. I'm really about being of service. Um, I I don't like to see anybody having a hard time, you know, and that's just part of life. And I I think, that what's so amazing about the world we live in now is that we have access to so many different tools and things that can help. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I think came out of COVID for me was I thought, you know, everything's kind of going to Zoom. Everything's kind of going online. There's more podcasts than ever before. There's more Zoom meetings than ever before. There's more accessibility to doing seminars and things online and so I thought I want to get in on that so I started out by just writing a weekly blog and these are things that are going to be in my book also you know things that I've been through I mean I'd really draw upon experiences when I write and and what I'm feeling about certain things. And so, yes, I think what I, what I see for the future is me doing some type of 90 day program, uh, with people online so that, you know, cause I know a lot of times people don't have time to travel or go and, you know, go to all these different things that you can go to in person. So I thought, why not create something that's online? You know, I think COVID really showed us that we don't really have to get on an airplane as much as as we used to. And so that's what I'm creating. And with that will come products, things that my, uh, my blog is called Deb's Den. And so there will be things that will be associated with Deb's Den products that will you will receive in the mail when you sign up for my 90 day program that will be related to Deb's Den. I don't want to give it away yet because we're still in the process of working on that. And then I'm also going to come out with a coffee table book with Mm -hmm. all my blogs and all the photos that are attached to those blogs, just so there's something available out there for, this, Mm -hmm. this just came to me because I'm getting, like I said, so much fan mail these days. So I thought, why not create something that if, These fans want me to sign, they can purchase it and the money can go to one of my favorite charities and then I can sign it and um, it can be something that, you know, can be available.
0: do Do you have a book right now that you want readers to know about that you have up for sale?
1: Well, I have a book that's going to be published this year, and it's called Son of a Basque. I did not write it. My grandfather wrote it, and I've been working on this manuscript for the last couple of years, and we are at the point now where the testimonials and the reviews are coming in, and we're very close to publishing. So that'll be the first book that I publish is his uh, historical fiction book called Son of a Basque. And then... Um my memoir is 80% ready to go I you know it's it's a it's a very careful process is the only way I can say it. You know, when you're writing about things that are trauma related or things that bring up or things that happened in the past, you have to be very careful and pace yourself. And, you know, and it's going to take a lot of re, you know rewriting because I'm really cognizant of not playing a victim in my book. I really want the person to read it, to see that there are solutions to problems and, and have it be more of a positive than, Oh God, poor me. You know, I went through this and, you know, we all go through just extraordinary things in life. All of us. I mean, we all have stories and I think that's where growth and learning comes from is from, other people's stories. I know that I'm really a fan of documentaries. I'm a fan of autobiographies and I learn from other people's stories and things they've been through. It, it's inspiring to me and it, it, it helps me to want to share my story because if my story helped one person, then it was, worth, it was worth doing. If my blog, if five people read my blog and I get one email that says, oh my God, your blog this week, I needed that like it really helped. And I get those emails and that just makes me want to write more, you know, it makes me want to keep going. And it's not something that you do for monetary reasons. It's something that you do because it's really fulfilling and, and you're on purpose.
0: Well, in sharing your experience, I mean, there's the, the new role model right now is how many TikTok hits did that person get? That's not exactly very good, you know. That's that's what it is. We I call it the hero theory. Everybody wants to be a hero. Um, people are telling stories that aren't necessarily true anymore, and that that, that saddens me. I mean, I'm I really really like a, the perception of our society to be quite honest with one another and I, f- I feel like social media has changed that into a lot of people are doing the fake it to make it thing that's pretty sad but it's really happening yeah it's unfortunate but we just have to wait for evolution to finish and and for it to show and that's where per- people like yourself coming out and saying like hey, I have something to say here and I don't have to be a TikTok tock to to it like right? that, that's it's getting really um old and boring for a lot of us. You know, people in our generation were we're wondering like why have people consume so much with TikTok? They're constantly on this. There then other people are trying to do this. It doesn't none of that makes any sense to me. Makes more sense to me about yourself writing an inspirational blog and changing somebody's life every day because TikTok isn't changing people's lives. <laughs> that is. <isn't>.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not changing mine. I don't know about other people, but, you know, no, it's not changing mine. And now my whole my whole deal is, you know, <clears throat> how I do things consistently. And, you know, and, you know, my story really is, you know, how do you go from being on the cover of a magazine to being 40, broke, divorced, you know, trying to reinvent yourself over and over and over again? to raise kids. And, you know, and it's like, all of a sudden it didn't matter anymore that I was on covers of magazines or I worked on a movie with so-and-so. Nobody cared. You know, I had to reinvent and I had to kind of step into a different role. And also I never really considered myself. I I mean, I've always, you know, felt smart, but I never considered myself business smart. And that was the other thing that I found out about myself is that I was actually very uh, savvy business wise. And I picked up things very quickly and, and, you know, I have really good skills with networking and business. And so I didn't know that, you know, it took really hitting rock bottom to find that out. I would have never found that out if my life was so cushy and easy and I didn't really have to do much. But, you know, when you're, when you're on the ground and you're, you're, you know, there's no place but to grow you know, and I find that in all of my failures or, or darkest moments, that's where the spiritual growth really started. The spiritual and um, emotional growth, It, it starts when you're on your knees. It doesn't start when you're on a cover of a magazine, you know, it's, it's when you're really kind of hitting rock bottom. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's time to grow. It's time to learn from this and, and, what is beautiful about this, you know, and switch, switch it around. I mean, for so many years I was so bitter and so walking around with so much anger and, 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 and just resentment. And you finally get to a point or hopefully the goal is, is to go, okay, what is, what is the lesson here? What is beautiful about this? What is beautiful about not getting what I want all the time? You know, what is beautiful about this failure? What is beautiful about not getting this deal challenge, you know, it's all, these are Just all challenges challenge. and, you know, and how, you know, and I didn't have the tools to handle stuff like that. You know, I was, I was actually really running for a long time on success. And I was the girl that, you know, I was, my, my agent sent me on a commercial, my very first commercial, and I booked it, you know, I was that girl, you know, it was like, everything I touched was turning into something really great. And when that stopped, I was kind of at a loss. You know, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for failure. I wasn't ready for, you know, my, my marriage to be over. I wasn't ready for all of that. And I mean, I didn't have an understanding of it. And, and really what it all comes down to at the end of the day is love. You know, do you want to be, be filled with love or do you want to be filled with resentment? And you get to choose, you know, and that's where I'm at today. You know, it's a, it's a choice of what of what and how I'm going to plan my day, what my intention is for the day. And things will go wrong. You know, not, not, not every day goes smoothly. I had something happen two weeks ago that devastated me and it was horrible. And, you know, thank God my team and I, you know, we, we met a couple of times and basically my Instagram account got completely hacked and stolen. And, you know, it felt very violating to me. You know, because I, I thought to myself, I don't even know how many private messages I had. You know, this this p- these people who stole my account are reading through private messages, things about my book, you know, and I just thought, God, what a violation of privacy. And, you know, Instagram doesn't do much about it. And and my team said, guess what? We're rebuilding your website. Let's rebuild your Instagram. Let's start over. And I thought, wow, you know, that's the attitude right there. It's not a, you know, it's so what, ha- whatever, whatever the, whatever reason the universe has for me, not wanting, not wanting me to have that account anymore. Because it doesn't it matter. It, the thing is to let mm-hmm. it go and move on. And I, we call you know, that, it uh, took, heartily- and by the way. Yeah, it was a thre- from the
0: universe. <laughs> exactly,
1: and there was three days. Let me tell you, three days of me kind of going back and forth with it, like I really wanted to fight. You know, there's this thing inside me that I really wanted to fight and get it back. And then I finally realized, Deb, that didn't has never served you. You know better now, and the only thing to do is send them love and move on. You know, and they wanted money. They literally sent me a. This is how ballsy these people are. They sent wow. me a WhatsApp saying, "We have your account. Do you want it back? Make an offer." <laughs> it's like I said, keep it.
0: Wow. No, that's Yeah, that's a hijacking and uh, it's horrible. They, these things go on to a lot of people. I'm they surprised. They do. And, you, and- know you, can, you can really think confidently about this. When you become targeted at that level, you're doing something right. Don't stop doing it. Keep yeah, exactly. doing what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. And somebody, I like when I looked at your profile, I'm like, Deborah has a story to tell that somebody's trying to hide. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. I haven't figured it out today. Um, there's something there that you might be yet to tell everybody. I mean, be it inspire somebody who changes the world later or help somebody understand, you know, you could probably save a lot of the girls and have them respect themselves and them understand that the industry that you once went into isn't all bells and whistles, is it?
1: No, it's not. not. No. Nothing is, by the way, nothing is, nothing is all bells and whistles. Everything comes with something, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's a vacation, it not, not everything is going to go smoothly. And, you know, when you trade your expectations for gratitude, you know, when you just trade it out, when you say, you know what, I'm not going to have an expectation of this because the minute you do, you set yourself up for failure. You set yourself up for a, a you know, see that didn't work out or, you know, and so for me, I get, try very hard to not have an expectation and to just be grateful. And, you know, at at my age, you know, I'm 58 and I, I really, you know, my morning routine is, you know, I, I, the minute my eyes open in the morning, it's good morning, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, because I woke up, And that's a really good start to my day. And the expectation then is, you know, you do your morning routine and then I set my intention. How do I want my day to go? How I look at my book, I see, you know, okay, this is what's planned, but how do I want it to go? Because if you don't set that intention and you don't kind of have a plan in the morning, your day can go however it wants. And then you kind of, you get in that out of control mode. You know, and you kind of see, oh, I missed that, or that phone call didn't work out, or that person didn't show up for lunch, and your day can go. It's going to go off the rails anyway. So why not set an intention that if it does, okay, it's okay.
0: It's a and really so- interesting perspective. I like this perspective. I, I like. I really like the sharing of perspectives of ideas on how we start our days. It's a very important part of existence. Waking up, going. I like this. You know, that's like the first thing you should say in your head. (laughs) Because if you don't, then like, yeah, you you just, you
1: you start out. Exactly. If you start out with gratitude, if you start out with really the, least amount of expectations. I today I don't have such expectations of how my day is going to go because uh, sometimes I get swiped, side-swiped, you know, things get thrown in or somebody says, "Hey, I need to talk to you." And I have to stop what I'm doing and I get a sideswipe. You know, I call them like something can come out of nowhere. And if I've started out on a good note, it doesn't affect me as much you know, it's like, I can go, okay, let me think about that. I had something happen last night that kind of happened. It came out of the blue. Somebody contacted me and wanted to share something with me. And they were a little, they were very upset about it. It had nothing to do with me, but they wanted to share it with me because they know I'm a coach. And, um, and I was able to help, you know, in the situation, but we never know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just never know what's going to happen or who's going to, You know, not everybody is going to be kind to us. Not everybody's going to tell us the truth. Not everybody is going to have our back, you know? So the most important thing is to have your own back, have your own back, have your own intention, start your day with gratitude and, and really be consistent with yourself. And then you're able to handle when those other things happen that, that are not fun. You know,
0: know, I can, I can now, I can really um, tell and express that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about thinking about reading a self-help book from a lady. It's not a really, you know, the guy guy's perspective. We're like, I can hear something interesting and different in yourself. And so if you're, we're going to write self-help coaching books, not only are they going to be self-help, I think it's very inspirational. Your story the the things that you describe that from your past you know your experience is is quite surreal for people, and people want to know about how it was, what yeah. it was why, and then they want to know what the aftermath is so i I really think that your um future of publishing a few books on this is going to be not underwhelming at all it's probably going to be quite you know here's a bad example, but you're probably going to sell a lot more copies than hillary clinton if you get your footing right right, yeah, right. like we see we that's that kind of push where politic, there's a lot of political drama going on people want to read modern books right now about people who've been successful and where you can offer life advice you know that that's i think is a really big need on the bookshelf it is there's a lot of um, almost fake self-help books where they're like, well, you know, if you just believe you're going to do it. No, I, I want to hear the truth, actually. I want to hear a bit about the hardship. I want to hear the good stuff. I want to be able to judge the character of somebody in their experience so that I can look at my own and go, am I perceiving life correct? And that's why, that's why we look towards people like yourself.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And there there, that was exactly the conversation I had last night because this person that called me was the perception was a little bit off on, on the situation. And I said, well, let's not focus on what that is. Let's focus on your part. You know, what was your part in this situation? And it really takes a lot of courage to just in every situation look at your part what is my part in this? Because we're not, you know, we, 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 we tend to want to look at other people's parts and it really doesn't matter. It only matters what our part is at the end of the day. And so that was kind of the conversation I had last night was let's just look at our parts. Let's look at what you did, how this, and this is why this got created. You know, sometimes we create things that should have ended sooner, but we keep perpetuating the situation and we think it's going to get better, but we know. And I actually said to this person, I bet you knew a long time ago, like six months ago, that there was a red flag or that there, there was going to be a problem. And she was like, yeah, I did. I saw it. And, but we keep going, you know, we think it's going to get better or we think something's going to change and it doesn't. And so it's having the courage to just focus on ourself and our our self-love and our self, you know, worth, you know, because when we start, when we lose that and we let that go, anything can show up in our life and can kind of take hold of us, right? And we don't want we don't want that. We want to be able to take hold of any situation and be like, you know what, something doesn't feel right. I feel that I write about this all the time. You know, one of my blogs is called gut feelings for a reason, because I think we need to listen to them a lot, a lot more these days, you know, and I have very strong gut feelings about things. I'm usually right. I'm usually spot on. And I had a situation last week where I had a very strong gut feeling and I decided I wasn't going to have lunch with a certain individual and, and it was a business situation. And, and, you know, it turned out I, my gut feeling was exactly right on it, you know, and we have to trust that we have to really tap into that. And that's kind of what my program is about. It's tapping into that energy it's, and trusting. It's really
0: it. interesting because the whole world tells us don't. And, and you're like right on the right path of trusting the instinct. And we've been, We've been um, we've been told not to do that, like a lot in our in the society, the the social media, everything. But I yeah. I mean I go by instinct, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's what you are doing also now, where, where is it that people can find your podcast? Where is it easy to find your podcast to go and listen to some of this stuff that you are broadcasting right now?
1: Well, I think, you know, you could Google my name and I I've done over a hundred podcast interviews. I don't have my yeah. own podcast right now. Um, And then I think if people really want to follow the journey and, and have something to look forward to every week, my newsletter is free. So you can sign up at my website, which is my name, deborahdriggs.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It's free. And then you'll also be notified when I have my 90 day program, which is going to start within, uh, I think we're about three months away. I'm going to take 20 people through my 90 days and to do a test run to see how it goes and make sure I have all the material, you know, just do the test run and see how it goes. And if it goes well, then we move forward and I start doing this regularly. So that's where that's where that's at. And then, of course, I'll have a book, uh, my book coming out in the next couple of years as well.
0: That's so right now we can go, we can sign up for a, a weekly newsletter on your website. I see, I've been there. It pops up and then to check out your podcast or you've been doing podcasts with individuals like myself. I found them also quite easy to find. Um, So your, your own, like the Deborah Driggs podcast, isn't started out yet, but it is coming.
1: It's coming. Yes, it's coming. It's going to be part of, you know, The program that I'm going to be doing. So, um, yep, it's it's all in the works right now. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to meeting people that want to go on this journey with me.
0: I think I think it's going to be a very interesting podcast. What you're about to do in the future, um, your guests could get really interesting as well, and same with the conversations. It's it's um, it's a breath of fresh air in the podcasting uh, field. Like I've been here a long time. Um, I'm I I criticize other podcasts um, sometimes because they won't mm, be as open or they're they're kind of fake and they're not transparent and. I I really feel that you are going to tackle that problem and you're going to, you're going to have all the right things inside of your podcast, which is going to be really cool. Coaching, self-help, inspiration. Super
1: real and very authentic. And, you know, I'm going to talk about things that mistakes that I've made, you know, that I'm not proud of.
0: You know what LARPing is? Have you heard this term LARP?
1: LARPing. No, please, please educate me.
0: It's like um, people take an issue and they, 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 they go after it in the most wrong way possible. You know, they'll, they'll argue that the orange is really red. They'll LARP it, right? And, and these kind of podcasts are just, there, there's too many of them. You know, I just want to hear facts. I just want to hear opinions. I want to hear um, experiences and stories. No, like stories we we grew up on stories in school our teachers used to tell and then we just kind of like all forgot and we let we let tiktok tell us stories now so i get excited when people are like well i'm going to start a podcast and it's going to have this in it that's that's good it's like finally something real again um, Cause I've listened to a lots of podcasting. I, am I really do believe that this is the right direction for you. You know, I asked you at the start, are you going to do some more books? Are you going to look at a- acting this podcasting um, ecosystems growing rapidly and you could really find a really um, significant role in it if you really pursue it properly. Right yeah, now.
1: of course.
0: That's very, very exciting. you must be you must be excited. Did you ever see yourself going into be uh, doing podcasting in your future like you I, know like you said, I, like Google never will, existed back in the day so yeah
1: <laughs> It's actually a very easy flow for me because uh, in the early, like 2005, 2006, when I was living in Park City, Utah, I raised my kids in a very small town there. And I did the mountain morning show. And it was one of the most favorite jobs that I've ever done was doing this two-hour unscripted morning show. There was no money, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed interviewing people, you know, from town or during Sundance. And it 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 literally... I had found my footing like I thought wow I really this is something I really enjoy doing and I had never really pursued that when I was in LA you know I never pursued hosting or doing any of that but so for me yeah when I when podcasting became a thing I thought god I'd like to have a podcast you know it did cross my mind but you know you you know I, I'm also one of those people that want to make sure that if I do a podcast I want to make sure I I do it for the right reasons and And it like you said, it has a very good significant reason for being on the air.
0: Well, I'm I strongly believe that you have you will captivate an audience and there is an an, there's an audience waiting. Like there's just there's so much LARPing going on. Oh thank you. Right in the world that if if you're gonna keep on point and you're gonna have things really, really cool and it's gonna be factual, not not with the LARP stuff in there, you are going to hit the stage running. But I think that's to be expected based off of your history, right? You've, you've done some remarkable things. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm even, I'm exciting myself more and more. I'm like, can I jump to the future and just check out your first podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Probably not, but. Well, good. I have
1: one. I have one audience member already and that's better than zero so we're well, very good we're all good if you have
0: one in me there's <laughs> i have this very interesting following of people there's a lot more now they'll all be like what is rick on to why is he interested in this so they like that's how webbing works inside of podcasting we all web together we web open, you know, like opinions like matters and issues and then it expands and it expands everybody's ideas as long as we keep the circle uh the karma circle uh, legitimate inside of those ideas again going back to that word larping and don't larp it, it creates this new environment like i'm i'm waiting for earth to evolve again in social media i am and and it's going to take people like yourself to help it evolve it is and telling us like you know maybe that's not acceptable maybe this is acceptable or maybe we should discuss what isn't and is and maybe we should have open discussions about it and saying instead of going oh my feelings are hurt we can't talk about this that doesn't work that's a bad society you know it is
1: yeah absolutely so yeah so that's the story you know i'm just a girl from la that made it a little bit in the entertainment world. You know, I, I didn't know anybody in that business and and uh, made my way, you know, pounded the pavement, so to speak, and, and then ended up, you know, in another, in a whole different world. I mean, I think what's really cool about life is that we never know where we're gonna, where things are gonna end up. Sometimes we go after one thing and we end up getting something so much bigger. And so that's kind of one of my other messages too, is that don't, You know, especially for these young kids now, I I find that everybody, you know, in this age range of like 18 to 25, you know, they're really searching for their purpose. And I feel like, you know, the more you stay in line and you just kind of keep going on track on what you're doing, or maybe you start out as a, as, as an artist, but maybe that turns into something else. Maybe you end up being a business owner. But I, Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that we don't, you know, we, we don't want to be so stuck in This is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. Because we never know what it's going to turn into. It can turn into something so much bigger and so much better. And, you know, I can just share with my life experiences that, you know... Maybe I didn't get the Academy Award, but I'll tell you what, I got some really cool life lessons. And, you know, a lot of the people that I kind of grew up with in the entertainment world, I've lost, you know, they they didn't survive the business or they didn't survive their addictions or whatever. I've had a lot of friends that I knew back in my acting class days that, you know, I've lost in the last 10 years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so sometimes we don't get what we really want, but we get something even better. And so I think it's a good message to young people out there that, you know, you might go after something, but you might get something so much more uh, valuable and we never know. So it's good to just kind of stay on path and, and stay on your purpose, stay in your self gratitude and all of that, all that good stuff, stay consistent and um, everything will work out.
0: I was going to ask you to say something inspirational. I don't have to anymore. <laughs> if somebody is having troubles, what would you say? I mean, you you nailed it right there. You, well, I would you say even... if
1: somebody's having troubles, that the first place to look is within. You know, mm-hmm. you got to go within. You got to really go. And the exercise that I gave my my friend last night she called me and she didn't really know what to do, and I said, "Can I offer?" an exercise for you to do. And because she's really upset. And I said, I want you to write this person a letter. Now you're never going to mail it. It's only for you. Write this person a letter. It, it really, you've got at least five pages of stuff here, you know, get it out on paper and then take a break, have a cup of tea, do a yoga class, and then go back and write yourself a letter from that person's point of view. And she was like, what? I said, yeah. Write Dear so-and-so from the person you wrote the letter to, because you see the answers are inside of us. We know the answers. You're going to answer all your own stuff in the letter that you wrote. You're going to write yourself back and find out why you feel this way. And it's an exercise, you know, and if we do stuff like this and we go within and we just work on us, our part, our stuff, our, you know, whatever's haunting us, if we go deep and work on it, instead of shopping it out, you know, sexing it out, drinking it out, smoking it out, drugging it out, you know, all these distractions, and we just go deep, then we will really find some really cool stuff, you know, and that's, that's what I tell people that are struggling. I'm like, you got to start within. It's not out there. It's right here. You know, and that's what the 90 days is about. It's removing all the distractions and going really deep within.
0: So if you have, a, as a listener, have been sitting and nodding your head, yes, while Deborah just said what she said, then you're going to hopefully appreciate what I'm going to say next. And we're going to probably invite Deborah. Well, I will invite you on in the future in the future, because I, I'm like you have. You have, if, if there is like Star Wars and the Force around in the world for real, you made all of the hair stand up on all of my body everywhere. I feel this little bit of an energy around me now. I don't know why that perception. I do not know why I perceived it in this way, but this, this is a, is a feeling, an energy, a thing that, that we need to give each other. I, I, I talk about it in my program, but, and you have given it to me. And and I know that you gave it to all of the people who are listening to this program. I don't know. I, the only thing I can say to you is don't stop what you're doing. Um, I, I would never want to step in your way. You, you, uh, if you can inspire me, which I'm hard to inspire, you're going to inspire thousands, tens of thousands of people in the future. And that's, that's why this universe wants to hardwink us sometimes. They don't want us to spread our goodness. We just have to keep working hard at it and doing it. But I, I, I super appreciate you coming on the program today, talking with us, explaining some of the things that have happened in your life, and, and as well, at the same time, inviting you on to a future podcast, maybe after your podcast and book comes out, to discuss this again.
1: I'd love to. Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. And I thank you so much for allowing me this time today. And to anybody listening, I, I hope there was one little gem you got out of this conversation. And like I said, follow me on my journey. F- come sign up for my newsletter and, and stay tuned for some things that are going to happen in the near future.
0: Thank you for listening. Remember to press like, subscribe, and share.